Welcome to the Disrupting Wellbeing podcast with Petra and Perks. This podcast is simple. We want to go beyond bubble bath wellbeing and think deeply about the world we live in and what it really takes to thrive. This includes things like activism at work, challenging the cult in culture, and of course, having brave conversations that lead the way in building a future of work that we want to be part of, including making benefits inclusive for all. So let's dive into our next episode. Okay, welcome everyone to the Disrupting Wellbeing podcast. I'm so excited today on very short notice. So thank you so much for joining us uh, to have Claire Munn in the the virtual studio uh, together with me. Uh, She is from Zimbabwe, a media executive, tech entrepreneur, passionate about communication, intelligence, AI, and democratizing career success with a focus on emerging markets. I'm, I mean, we could go in so many places here. You've, you've, done, you've got quite a track record. Uh, your latest venture is Box Play, an award-winning executive producer of The Square as well. You're Emmy Oscar nominated. I mean, you have just absolutely done so many things, including first CTO of WeWork. Uh, and uh, you, you, I, I guess, I guess you're kind of trying to change the way we view the world of work and the way we view everything, education specifically. Welcome to the show, Claire. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Petra. Really, it's it's great to have you. Um, I'd love you to fill in the blanks a little bit. I know um, you're you're excited about rebuilding education to be fit for purpose today. Just give us some of what what are you passionate about at the moment? What are you working on? So. Um, I think when I when I look and see what my career has been or or my interests have been, I'm afraid I'm a little bit boring because it's 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 this, it's been the same strain ever since I can uh, remember. Um, I I'm fascinated with a good story. I love stories, and I'm fascinated how uh, we humans, whom I feel um, are pretty basic. And I like that. And I think we're pretty messy. And I also like that. Um, humans have the ability to either tell a good story or a really bad story. Yet the story, the premise of the story was good, but they just had no idea how to tell it. And so when I come across different cultures or just different crowds who have this ability to bring a subject to life, I was always just that kid who loved it. And, you know, as a kid at kindergarten who wouldn't go and have the nap because I wanted more stories. Um, and so really what I'm doing now is that same thing um, and using tech because I also really like tech. I see tech as a vehicle for stories. And it's uh, how do you craft um, uh, tech uh, to deliver a story in a way that's going to engage someone. And so for you, what are the purpose of those stories or what is the impact you're, you're, you're trying to make in the world? For me, um, well, let me ask you this, Petra. What do you think is one of the most difficult skills for an average human to master? The most difficult skills? I mean, coming from a mental health perspective, I would say it's simply communication. So being able, right? Am I right? <laughs> Bingo. And some, you know, again, please uh, check my facts. Um, But apparently some well-intended, maybe not so well-intended twit about 60 years ago called it a soft skill, right? So 
that demarginalized it. And if we go to mental health, um, and I'm not talking about, uh, uh, well, I can actually talk about mental health in, in somewhat of an intelligent uh, way, but if we just take anxiety, for example, when I've listened to wonderful uh, scientists break down anxiety in a ver- variety of ways, um, I was at the Mental Health Summit in at Stanford in October last year and listening to these phenomenal uh, researchers break it down. One of the core areas, and these are my words, not theirs, um, is the inability to express what is actually going on and or the inability of the audience um, being able to receive that information in the manner that it's meant to have been delivered. So what happens with that is we end up with um, anxiety on steroids, right? Because that just makes us really pretty crazy. Um, And when I say crazy, by the way, I'm Zimbabwean. And so when I use terms like guys or crazy, please don't anybody get offended. It's just my colloquialism. So if... If we could provide a framework rather like a a fitness program where we have this phraseology um, where we can all start to understand each other more, starting with listening, um, my belief is this is going to help confidence rise and it's going to actually allow us to start to see and delineate the different strands of mental health, because as we know that there are many. So um, our first suite of products that we've built, so we've got AI plus Hollywood, um, really, that's edutainment, that's how we build our courses. We take a subject, we break it down, and we rebuild it. So some of our first suite of courses are under the brand called CQ, Communication Quotient. And it doesn't matter how high your IQ is or your EQ, if you can't communicate, it's a moot point, right? So you've got CQs of bridge in between. So the we've all, you know, the IQ on one side, EQ for emotional question on the other, and then built CQ as a bridge in between, so communication questions. So um, we've all been around people who are incredibly cerebral um, and highly intelligent in their particular field. Uh, We've also all been around um, very emotionally aware people and very emotional in their particular field, let's say. On both sides, I'm sure most of us can relate to the fact that there are times we have no idea what the either side is actually saying. So, which is quite um, upsetting because I bet you if we could understand it, 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 it could be relevant, it could be helpful, it could be all these various things. So with CQ in between, it's really both those sides really learning to break down that particular subject, understand who their audience is and start to be able to relate to this individual. It also allows us the account to be accountable. If I don't understand what you're talking about, Petra, I need to ask you. And But if I don't have the confidence, I'm not going to raise my hand. Right? So if we go back to, again, mental health, there's a lot of times where people, either they, there's the feeling of the stigma or there's just the inability to express what they're feeling or they just don't trust that audience that they're speaking to. So 
I think that has caused confusion on all levels because if if you were talking to me today and um, I was having a low CQ day um, and there was stuff going on for me and I don't explain that to you up front, you're going to have a very uh, different kind of podcast than you would want, right? So I have to have the confidence to say to you, and it could have been, Petra, I'm just so sorry. I'm jet lagged or I'm wiped out, whatever it is. You, if you are wise, which I know you are, you would say, please, can we reschedule this? If you're not wise, you're going to try and push through and you're going to still get the same outcome as a bland podcast. So again, it's this, to me, communication intelligence is both expressive and receptive intelligence. And that allows, so it's the audience as well as the thinker. And um, that's really what we're building. And I'm so excited to see the data that's coming out. The transformation is just phenomenal. And it takes work. It's, it takes courage and it takes work um, and it takes honesty, really. And um, I'm not here to say that this is the magic pill. I'm not here to say that this is going to solve mental health or employability. But what I am here <clears throat> to say is for me personally, it's changed my life. And I've seen also others in um, others in the world that have gone through this or I've coached or mentored. I've seen the most incredible uh, um, breakthroughs. Um, so it's... Uh, it's a privilege, really. Um, I love what I do. Absolutely love there's, it. There's so many things there already or like strands I could go down. One, one is, of course, the communication piece, but the, there is kind of a step before now that I'm thinking about it, which is that self-awareness, right? And so where you talk about like people needing the confidence to express, some people, maybe if they've not done the work, you know, or, or really kind of learned about themselves, there might be that step before where they're like, I don't even know how I feel or what's going on. So I'm just kind of trundling along in habit mode. Right. And so there's almost like, I got to know what it is I want to say in order to then think about confidence. And then language is key, right? Cause you can say the same thing in a variety of ways and get different results. Right. Um, and I, I think that's the bit that I see a lot in as a therapist and a coach and training uh, around mental health is, you know, with managers and leaders, it's kind of thinking, um, OK, you're checking in on your people. What are you saying? Right. Are you saying how was your weekend and you think you've checked in on them? You haven't. That's a habit response. Right. So just give me your thoughts just on that self-awareness piece, like that the people kind of need to know themselves in order to then get to the communication stage, perhaps. Yeah, we've. Um you know, my, my brother often says, um, and he, I've got uh, three co-founders with me, and we're all neurodivergent learners, and, uh, you know, we're a pretty crazy, motley crew, actually. It's a, it's a cool group. Um, and he always quotes, I think it was my grandmother who used to say this all, and it's not her quote, it's somebody else's, but um, that wisdom is, is often in the question, not the answer, right? So assessments... We have created our own form of assessments and assessments should be really fun and we should be learning through those questions, not feel that the way I've been asked is a test. Yeah. Not feel that it's boring. We should be surprising ourselves with our thought patterns around the answers. And so 
again, it's if when I said to you earlier that we're, we're pretty basic, um, uh, uh, wonderful animals, I think what I mean by that is, is we learn from cause and effect. We, we want to be recognized. We actually want to think. And we want to feel that euphoria when we do achieve something and learn something. We want to. So, again, that accountability is if we reframe how we get to that awareness, it starts to become exciting. Right? So this is the edutainment engagement journey that we've built. And, again, accountability um, is not a judgment factor. It's a, it's a wonderful uh, window, really, into clarity. And I think if, if we have the courage to look at that, we also can see the amazing things we have achieved. And then we can look at, you know, you and I, Petra, before this call, we were talking about um, some fitness and uh, what, you know, makes you excited, what makes me excited. And it sounds like it's pretty similar. Yeah. Um, if, if we want to really hone a craft such as yoga or Pilates or boxing, we know that we need to learn the theory. But before that, we need to know our own levels of fitness. So audience, Petra and I both like boxing. I haven't boxed since I was living in New York, but I loved it. And I had a seedy gym I would go to. And it was just, it was grimy and fabulous. Yeah, and, sounds amazing. And I, I was incredible, incredible. And and I was so humbled the first time I did it because I really thought I could box. Absolutely thought I was just, I was fit. I could jump, I could skip, I could do. I was hit immediately. I was on the floor within 30 sure. seconds. And you know what? All I did was laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And now six months into it, I really became pretty proficient. And by the way, I did look for that person who did box me and put me on the floor. I couldn't wait to do it. But <laughs> Revenge I never, is sweet. <laughs> Revenge is very sweet. So again, what I didn't do in that instance was I didn't go up to a bag and start to see where was I at. I never did. I did everything else around it. Everything. Right? My dad told me to do planks. He told me to do this. He told me to do that. I never, ever boxed a bag. So if we go back to, again, communication, what we've created is we've created archetypes. So the assessment, and then we've got an archetype. And I'll ask you this question. How many listeners do you think there are, Petra? I didn't know the answer to this question. I'm not sure. Okay. In fact, I'm not going to tell you the answer. Anyone who's listening on here needs to go and have to yeah. figure it out. So I didn't know, I didn't know the, the amount. So anyway, um, that same amount, we created archetypes. And so you start to understand who you are in a non-judgmental field because it is impossible for all of us to be active listeners all the time. It's impossible. But it's very possible for us to understand when we're not being an active listener. And then I need to tell you that. I need to tell you, oh, my gosh, you know, the dog needs to come in or the doorbell's going or whatever it is. I need to warn you so you don't think I've just checked mm. out. 
So again, back to the assessment side and accountability, the way we've done it so far seems to create this enjoyment play type way to do it. And that has provided a much easier step to then get a, accountable and then go through the courses. Got it. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. And um, the other thing you said when, when you were kind of mapping out uh, how you go about it is just the personal story, I guess, connected to this topic. And, um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but what I see in mental health is anyone in the mental health space has probably had a crash at some point, right, uh, to, to be working in, in that field. Um, so I'm curious, just going back, like, we all have had roles that that we were kind of placed upon us growing up, right? And for me, I kind of see the threads of those roles in the types of careers we choose or the types of stuff that we do. Give us a little sense of Claire as, as a young girl and what kind of role did you have growing up? I was such a pain in the neck. Were you? <laughs> I was. Um, my mother says, you know, I was this, you know how some people say someone was born with a silver spoon in their mouths? You know that saying? Yes. She says, I was born uh, waving a banner. She says, you came out like this crazy activist who just wanted, you know, fairness and justice. And I would march really? around and just, oh, I must have been so annoying. And I don't know why. I don't know what that was. I don't know. Um, but I think having been brought, brought up in Zimbabwe in a family that um, – uh, in my opinion, welcomed diversity and inclusion. I was around so many different nationalities and so many different types of people that I didn't really understand when I got older. Uh, I mean, I'm older as in four years old. I didn't understand why things were different for, for certain groups. So what I learned was, ask a question. And what I learned again um, was just because you ask the question doesn't mean you're going to get an answer that you, number one, like, and number two, trust. So what do you do? You ask another question. Clarify. Right? So, yes. So I was that kid. And and then I just think I was just a rebel. I love to play. I love to, you know, um, uh, I had a little suitcase with a book, teddy bear, and a, and a made crafts and arts passport. And I think it was baked beans, something like this. Mm. And I would always be caught going down the driveway, you know, because I was off. And then they would ask me, well, where are you off to? And I was, I would make up countries' names because I probably hadn't heard, you know, so it was that kid. But really, I haven't changed so as my family will tell you, I'm still a pain in that way. Um, but what I have really learned to uh, appreciate is the power of play and the beauty of play. And, and I think, and I'm, I'm, I do have a lot of people in my life who have, um, again, neurodivergent and, and, and mental health, tremendous mental health, um, and it, when we play together, what comes out of that is really quite remarkable. And I suppose that goes back to the storytelling. 
and and play is quite profound in a world that is more and more in survival mode is experiencing generational trauma or or just current trauma from from the pandemic times and um, I'm seeing, especially in the world of work, but in general with 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 friends and and networks, this sort of holding on tightly, you know, as if um, it's all going to disappear, and this sort of intensity as far as how we're thinking about problems, even. So if I think of um, workplaces doing hybrid work, so some people at home, some people in the office, you know, coming up with really like fixed policies of how this must work and acting as if they've ever been in this situation before, right? Whereas really it's this kind of experimenting. We're all sort of trying to forge this new path and figure out like, oh, what does matter for us? And so I think um, just turning a bit of I call it experimenting, but I think with a measure of playfulness can just allow us to collaborate a little bit more and be thinking, where are we going together as the world evolves, as technology evolves, rather than what I'm seeing, this kind of um, us versus them mentality, right? As this, as if everyone's just trying to survive each man for himself. Um, so I'm kind of seeing that you've turned maybe that <laughs> chaos, if I could use not use a better word, um, into a superpower in a way, right? Kind of channeling it into uh, your your entrepreneurship and many different en- endeavors. I mean, not everyone has such a clear thread, but it sounds like you've got a pretty clear thread from ha- birth to to what you're up to now. I think you know, Petra. The I, I like the fact that you use collaboration. We're doing a collaboration co-pilot right now with Microsoft. And um, I'm working with, you know, uh, our team is amazing. And I'm working with this team at Microsoft who are just phenomenal. And just the, the, the brilliance and also the uh, uh, humility too. Um, but the, you mentioned the pandemic. Uh, you know, I'm always reminding myself, uh, friends, clients, um, that, it was a hell of a thing. And, you know, it's, we don't talk about it that much anymore because we don't want to. Um, and I don't blame us on that. But what I will say is when someone says to me, you know, I, I had a lot of stress, I still have a lot of stress by it. I just say to them, literally, if I meet someone who said that they didn't have anxiety or stress during that time, I don't want to know them. It would be hard to they, believe as well, wouldn't it? It's hard to believe it. They're a robot. I have no interest because I don't know anyone who didn't go through tremendous stress. And um, it's it it it's changed the way we are as individuals. Um, but it's also if I can ask us to just remember something that what I love about us humans is we are a rebellious lot, and we have our habits and we have our biases and we have our preferences. We have all of these things because we're human. Here we are as a collective where we listened. We all listened. I'm talking about the first lockdown. I'm talking about the second lockdown. We listened. And in retrospect, it's so easy for us to sit there and point fingers and blame and everything else. But honestly, what would you have done as a leader of an organization, of a company, without the knowledge? What would you have done? So I don't know what I would have done. Right? So as a CEO, I did the best I can. And the, the best award I've ever won was we would, I don't know if we won the award or nominated, let's say we were nominated for one of the best 
employers during lockdown COVID time. And I can't even remember what the award was called, but I just remember crying with that because it made me feel like we got something right in a very, talk about chaotic time. But it's given me a huge belief in the human race, again, that actually we listened, we stayed inside. For those who didn't, for those who decided they needed to break the rule in first lockdown and second lockdown, I don't know what was going on for you and I'm not here to judge, but actually I do judge. So that's the truth because people were getting sick. My One of my favorite aunts died of COVID and didn't have to die of COVID. And it was a real thing. So here we are today and we've got so much going on in the world. We've got access to information that um, is... It looks like it's mostly dire. But what I want us to remember, because I do this for myself, is I wrote a book on CQ and we basically turned CQ courses into that digital book. So it's a big speedy digital book instead of, you know, who very few business books are really read. Let's let's be honest about it. So um, the one of the things that I start with with CQ book is one of the longest conversations you're ever going to have is with yourself. So now the beauty about that is you think of your conversation. You can control your conversation. I'm talking about if our brain wiring is okay. Got it. When it's not okay, there's crossovers. My partner has synesthesia. There's a lot of crossovers. So again, no offense to anyone whose brain wiring is wonderfully different. But when your brain wiring actually is firing where you can turn on your topic of conversation, you can turn it off, it's a wonderful thing for us to remember that we can do that. And that actually leads into how do we deal with today? And how I deal with today is I think through um, what I can handle today. If I wake up and I can't really handle much because it was too busy yesterday, it was too this or it was too that, I will avoid social media. I'll avoid it because I know myself. And I am that activist, remember, so that little crazy child. So I know I've learned about how much I can handle. And again, that's if our brain wiring is firing okay. So I don't know if that's helpful, Petra, but I, I really, um, I try and live by that. And when I don't, it can be truly overwhelming. And for those, again, who are feeling truly overwhelmed, again, there's no blame, there's no, I, I don't blame you, but if there is ever would I blame anybody on that, because it is overwhelming if we are allowing all this stuff to come in. And one of the most beautiful things diets to do is digitally unplug for a bit. It is the best diet today, in my opinion. Um, And that could be as simple as, you know, hiding your phone at five o'clock in the refrigerator, which I've done. It doesn't work, by the way. Don't (laughs) do that. Um, (laughs) But it, I worry about our consumption of, of information because I know normal humans, excuse my dogs, 
no normal human can handle that. And this is interesting because you're in the technology space, you're you're in the AI space, you're you're kind of promoting the 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 digital, I guess, application of some of these these tools. And and yet you're you kind of know the boundaries as well and have learned it sounds like the hard way through your own overwhelm that like, whoa, sometimes I've just gotta focus on what's in my control and switch a few things off. Um there's a lot of talk as well just about entrepreneurship. And you've, of course, have many, you know, fingers in many pies over the years and have created many things and, and um, had many achievements. You're also like a female entrepreneur, right? In, in a world that is still uh, mostly driven by men. And there's lots that, you know, of studies uh, around that. So I'm curious about your own mental health journey just within entrepreneurship and what were those times of overwhelm? Like, how did you know that, oh, sh- holy shit, I've got to put something in place to look after me if I'm going to sustain this level of success achievement long-term? I don't know. What would I say to entrepreneurs out there or people budding entrepreneurs, first of all, the ones who aren't yet entrepreneurs, um, but they think they want to become entrepreneurs, I really, really would implore you to think about a couple of things about yourself, which is your stamina level, your ability to, because every day you're going to come across something and every day you're going to have to get up, not off the floor necessarily, but you're going to have to try that particular angle again. And you're going to get feedback that you don't want to hear. And all of that can feel like going back to boxing. It can feel like that. Getting punched in the face and knocking you on the floor. Yes, yes. And so uh, it's not that there are definitely easier pathways, career pathways that I could have taken. Definitely. Sure being this, you know, ridiculous entrepreneur, but I, I admire entrepreneurs, but more so I admire the people surrounding entrepreneurs Mm. and especially the families. If you are fortunate enough to have a partner or um, best friends who really are going to be that support for you and also be honest enough to say to you, that product sucks. I would never buy it, right? You need those people around you. And it doesn't mean you stop doing that product. It just means that you need to ask some questions. Why? Why wouldn't you buy it? And listen. And if they're not going to buy it because it's purple and, and then you start seeing that no one wants the purple, whatever it is that you've got, change the color. So so it's that's number one. Number two, I learned late about having co-founders and the power of having a co-founder is absolutely wonderful. And just make, make sure again, that co-founder compliments you. Which is tr- which is harder than it sounds, right? I've, I've been, I've been through a few and we, and we sort of thought that that was the case that we complimented or, or we should say had the same um, vision or values for the future. Right. And, and it's only over time, right? So I would I just add to your advice and hopefully compliment it by saying, go slow with that um, agreement maybe or testing, right? I don't know if the, if you would echo the same. Oh, Petra, I couldn't agree with you more. Right. It's, it's a marriage. And, you know, um, I was talking to a friend of mine um, last night and uh, she's just gone through a divorce. And, you know, fortunately it's, uh, they're a wonderful couple and they've managed to do a really, in a wonderful way, but 
to go through the divorce and all the legal and the law, you know, courts and everything else in California, if it was as complicated to get married as it is to get divorced, even if it's an amicable divorce, no one will get married. We were talking about it. We were laughing. Agreed. And and it should be the same with, as you said, Petra, it, you've got to take it slow. You've got to be honest. You've got to have that transparency. And each of you have to be better at certain skills than the other. You have to. That is a compliment. A compliment to me, complimentary stuff, is it's like ha- why do people have dinner parties where they're all the same type of people? That is the most boring dinner party I can possibly imagine going to. I don't want to go to that dinner party. So have people who are going to have opinions and have the courage again to have that conflict conversation with you. And I can assure you with my co-founders, if you heard us sometimes, our level of, you know, uh, one's Italian, the other one's Zimbabwe, my brother obviously, and one's American – And we can, our decibels can go up. And it sounds like to everybody that we're actually screaming each other, we're not. Each one of us thinks we're so smart that we all want to be heard. It's hilarious, like kids. And then when we all just quiet down, we start to listen. It's like, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Let's do that. So it's, again, you've got to have that level of both play, both human natural behavior, which is we want to be heard, we want to be recognized, And then you've got to have the wisdom to know which of the pathways is better for your company and your shareholders and your teams that you have. Yeah, so um, we kind of sidetracked on a very important point. So it's finding that co-founder. It's thinking about your energy and sustaining, uh, I guess, your, um, you know, ability to do great work. Is there anything else, just advice for the the early stage entrepreneurs who to, to protect mental health, really? Please always hire. Uh, if you've got if you've got $100, spend 75 of that on excellent legal advice and excellent financial advice. Cover your bases. Don't spend, yeah, don't spend $75 on your best friend who you're now going to rope in and do marketing. Please don't start marketing before you've got the product. Right? And most people do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's so many steps that, um, you know, I've been asked to do a course just on this on, and I might end up doing it or we're going to do a series of, of you know, interviews, podcasts, whatever, on really just, you don't have to listen to me personally, Claire, but if what I'd love to do is just outline steps that don't make the same mistakes if you don't have to. I don't, I will, I make a million mistakes all the time, but I rarely make them twice. I used to make them twice. I used to make them three times. Same damn mistake. Yeah. So, so, and then the other side of it is if you've got the confidence to hire someone, you must have the integrity and confidence to also know how to fire someone. Oh, and that's tough. I've been in that position and especially trying to create a business which has you know, what I feel is ethical and has integrity. And of course, we're teaching other leaders how to do things. So we want to model the example, you know, um, and and yet letting somebody go for me is just excruciating. And, and yet you can do it with empathy, with kindness, clarity, and all these sorts of pieces. Like, um, how much does that CQ play a part in, in um, doing that effectively, I guess? Yeah, 100% plays part in it. And 
And again, if you've got the measurement in place and why, why are you letting this person go? And, you know, if you care about this person, which hopefully we do because we hired them, it's again, how are you helping that person move on? I'm not talking about the person who's done something absolutely awful sure. in the company. Just talking about the, the, the so position. Business changes, this. right? Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, so to, to say this around an entrepreneur, you know, as a female in this business, um, there have been days where I'm American British, and so I've been now in in Britain for London uh, as my primary base for the last four years. Um, lived in New York and California, and it was really tough at the beginning when I came here because. I felt the I felt the difference, the vast difference of entrepreneurialism far more than I realized. I didn't even think I'd feel a difference. And I think that's because the way that business is done in, in America is just it's it's just different. It's and I could, it's a whole other discussion one day, but um, I've learned that if you're a female in business. You're, this is just the truth and the facts and, and people, you know, you do what you want with it, but you do need to be more buttoned up. You will get more due diligence questions. You will need to um, uh, be incredibly um, uh, clear. And so my advice to you is, that, is what I've told myself, which is be that. I just... Know how to pitch your product and you, the differences of your product. Practice it. And if you're going to, because if you don't, you will not rise to the top. And my, my belief, and I've thought this for 20 years, until there is equal pay for equal skills, we are going to continue to have massive problems in all fields, right? So until there is that, and, it's, and I'm, again, please hear me. Equal pay for equal skills. Yeah, I heard you. I'm not. Yeah. Women should be paid more for less skills. Women should be paid more for less hours. I'm not saying any of that, right? And people get that confused. So um, same for minorities and and, uh, uh, any basic group, I think. It's until that happens, you are going to be, need to be better than the majority. And the beauty of it is you can be better. So just be better and follow that. Don't just go to women's groups. Go to male groups too. Go to male investors as well as female investors. More and more proof is happening that female entrepreneurs have a better bottom line. That meant that females had to be better. So it's, I, I don't know if everything I said was the right thing to say, it's, but it's what I'm following. And it doesn't mean that there are times to answer another question you put in there, Petris. Some days are really tough. Right. Really tough. And I don't know what is in me that I get up when those days are really tough, but I do. And I have a philosophy I will not invest in or build 
any product that I myself would not use or buy. And it's a very simple thing, but it keeps me interested and motivated in what I do. And if I'm not motivated in what I do, I would not be able to get up on those dark days. That's the truth. I guess the the provocative sentence there, and I agree with you, uh, that we sometimes just have to work harder and be better. We can sit around and think about, you know, the patriarchy and the reasons why some of these things occur. And sure, activism, some people spend their energy there. Um, or, or maybe it's and or, we can kind of accept like, hey, if I want to do something great with my one life, I must do these extra things or just be better. Or for me, run my own race. Right. So I'm very blinkered. I don't even go full on in market research or like looking at all the other things. I just go, what's my race and what's the impact I want to, to create? Um, but I guess for for women, but also for 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 men, for for entrepreneurs thinking, just be better when we also know that sometimes we're flat on the floor and everything has punched us with the the boxing gloves and, and has flattened us out. Right. And so from, from your perspective, what are one or two steps that someone might take in those days to kind of go, okay, just be better, but wh- how do I know what that looks like for me? It goes back to, I, there's the stamina, but really it goes back to the fortune, the good fortune of having a fabulous partner or family member or best friend. Get some backup. When you have those, yeah, you've got to. When you've got those back, when you've got those days, cry. Go to a movie. You know, go and eat something that you're not meant to eat, ice, whatever it is. Just know it's going to be okay. Get back up. Okay. Just and then you will get back up. Phone your mentor, phone your phone, try and get mentors if you don't have them. Um, and a mentor can be in any shape or size, does not need to be in your industry. And a mentor is somebody who, who has character that you trust and will listen. And, you know, people make a mistake. They say, oh, well, I need to get, you know, Steve Jobs' ghost as a mentor. Look, I... I some of my very closest friends have no idea what I do for a living. Same with my family. Sure. But they're fabulous when I phone up and I say, this happened and it was just a crappy day. And they'll just listen. And I think this is maybe the edge that women often have is having the, you know, the boardroom around you, you know, wh- whoever that is, whether it's a friend, a family member, you know, a mentor, even asking for help, right? Um, so being able to, and I accredit a lot of my successes to being able to say, hey, can I take you for coffee so I can pick your brain about something? Guys stereotypically are less good at that. Just going, hey, can we hang out so I can learn from you? <laughs> you know, um, so, so being able to connect and to come full circle to the idea of story, to connect on what have you learned from your story doesn't mean my story needs to be just like yours or I need to do everything you did, but it's being able to pick out the threads, right, that can apply or that you go, actually, I do want to play with this or experiment with that piece, right? And I think that's where the, the, our, the gender piece can be used as a superpower to get the backup around you, to, to offer not only the practical support, but the emotional. Yeah, I, you know, I, I totally agree with you, Petra, and I think on the um, as much as it can be 
exhausting for a female in business today. I also, my empathy goes out to men in business today. Completely. You know, I really, um, and I wrote an article some years ago, and I, life of me can't remember the title, but it's something to do with um, how are we females also responsible for chauvinism? Yeah. And, you know, where does that, where are we in that mix? Um, I have, you know, two brothers and a father that I absolutely adore. And I also have two sisters that I adore. And we are, um, and a mother, of course. Um, We are really um, very different. And our perspectives of our childhoods, our stories are also very different. That also taught me a lot. Mm. I love that. I would talk about, you know, something that we did and then I'd hear them and I'd say, really? I don't remember that. Yeah. Why don't you? It's just, it's really, so it reminds us as well of our, our own perspectives and our own differences. And I think with men, um, the people on our cap table and our, on our board, um, fortunately our business, our, our business is, I think we're 50, 50, uh, gender wise with on the cap table. Um, we're majority owned by women, but, um, and led by women, mm-hmm. but, uh, with, with men, I get some of the, my most incredible advice if I ask and I'm really transparent about it and I'm really genuinely grateful for it. And by the way, that's exactly how I want somebody to be with me. So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting time for us and it's an interesting time for us women as we do gain more, you know, equal rights and as we do gain more um, uh, responsibilities um, or power, if you will. Um, I really hope we don't do the backlash because it's just, that would be, that would be a tragedy really. Do you mean to kind of swing the opposite way that then just has real negative results because it's an extreme, it's not finding that middle ground. Yeah. Correct. And Martin Luther King, you know, he he said something along those lines as well, um, far more profound than I've said that, you know, you really also was hoping that that would never happen just in in uh, his time around um, uh, race. And, you know, we've got so much work to do on so many of these levels of so many. We've still got so much work to do. And um, I think the more we are kind with one another and listen to one another and also are more clear around what is upsetting us and why is it upsetting us and taking accountability and being able to express why that is. Um, I think I have hope. I have to have hope, Petra, because I'm sure you do too. Um, but I do, going back to the pandemic side of seeing us as a, as a collective group of people around the world, you know, over 8 billion people really following as best they can, those rules in the first 90 days was was extraordinarily powerful. Well, and it was interesting to see, um, and we don't have time to get into the full debate, but to see different countries and, and cultures and how different leaders um, kind of manage that time in different ways. And of course, the ripple effect of that for, for good or not so good. Um, and so 
taking into account that leadership element, right? And how, of course, it's it's the people uh, following and understanding and doing the thing, but it's that CQ, right? It's like if you can communicate the 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 need effectively, and and you know, there's persuasiveness within that, right? And of course, you're always going to have a subset of people that are uh, thinking differently or or mistrusting. Um, authority. And, you know, there's a, there's a whole piece there. Um, I have two more questions and, and I know we've, I want to respect your time uh, since you've just had spin class and I'm sure you've got many things to do. Um, but, I, but I would be remiss to not talk about AI briefly and just think, okay, we're thinking technology. I mean, when, when you're talking about CQ, I'm, I'm thinking about humans, right? And people and connection and language and story. And like, that is our, the magic that, that can support. Um, and so I'm curious, can AI mimic what you're doing? And if so, pros and cons, are there any dangers there? What are your thoughts around that? So, um, we built the first AI tutor app, um, with Pearson in 2019. And, um, we were really, gosh, we learned a lot, all of us had no idea what we were doing, actually. It was, it was, but it was, we were under the, um, uh, our point person was such a visionary, amazing person, um, Elena Maranova. She's now at Microsoft. But we learned an incredible amount of Vox about this. And um, AI is a phenomenal tool I, I, you can think of it as an assistant, you can think of it as a co-pilot, whatever you wish, but if you know how to work with it, it can be your friend. Right? That's on the on the pro side. Can it mimic what we're doing? No, there's a layer of what we do, so you can call it the Coca-Cola recipe if you will, but anyway, we've got that recipe that we are building and that'll be our proprietary tool to do what we do. Um, and that's where... Uh, you know, we're run away with right now. On a negative, um, like anything, there's there's always the pros and cons. And I, I think, but for now, if I can just stick to one side where I think there's a negative, is um, I'll use a silly analogy. Some of my analogies, Petra, are awful, but bear with me. So can you imagine being an expert uh, broom sweeper, right? Um, when, I, when I'm anxious, by the way, I clean. I go completely obsessively clean. So it's, it's I suppose it's better than throwing things around, right? But on one hand... Well, it makes me want to, it makes me curious. I can't see your house, but how clean is your house right now? It just, it will let me know if you're working something through. But I've been away. I've been away. Okay. But I'm not anxious. So, so when... Um, imagine I knew how to really sweep. And then somebody came in and they said, uh, there's this new thing called the vacuum cleaner or the Hoover. You should check it out. Mm. And I'm like, no, I like my, I like sweeping. Yeah, I'm good at it. I'm good at it. And so, uh, and by the way, I'm a pretty good sweeper. I can I imagine. <laughs> it sounds like you've had practice. <laughs> so, so, but then 
you know, I end up having another job or I've got dogs or I've got kids or whatever it is. And my time starts to just get shorter and shorter. So you come back in again, you say, you know, remember I told you about a year ago, this thing will help. And I'm like, for God's sake, I'm exhausted. All right, fine, Petra, show me. And you do what I had been doing in an hour. You did it in 10 minutes. Now I'm quite interested. Mm, Efficiency. Exactly. So now, and you're kind enough that you you give me the vacuum cleaner because uh, I know you're a generous Why person. Why not? Yes, so. of course. Why not? So now my entrepreneur hat on, I'm thinking, hmm, my whole street are still sweeping. I'm going to start using this little machine because I love it. I'm going to go and do this for them and they're going to pay me. And then I think even further, I could lease these to them because now the other streets want it. I can go even further. I can invent my own Mm -hmm. because it's better. So on and on and on. So we have been doing this since the first industrial revolution. We're in a fourth. This is just an evolution of it. And I really want us to remind that ourselves of that. But what we have to do, because this is working much faster than the other revolutions, Mm -hmm. right? It's working, it's extremely fast. We have to be willing to change. And we have to learn how to work with this. And we truly, if if we can, be excited about learning something new and learning a new basically brain. So there's something around our perspective on it. So spending less energy on um, holding the broom, as it were, and thinking, no, I must sweep. This is ridiculous, right? And uh, getting a bit more curious, perhaps, about like, oh, well, what is the edge? And actually, I might be left behind if I don't kind of learn and evolve myself or my people in my business to go alongside it. Is that is that fair? Like any any thoughts on how we do that? But I tell you that because I know how to sweep well, I will know how to use that new machine even better, right? And if the machine breaks down, I still know how to sweep. So I think having our education, the basis of our education is is absolutely paramount, but really learning the communication intelligence. You know, I believe it was Microsoft who said it to us. They said, and we've used that phrase now on our site, but they said, CQ's the new IQ, right? So if the more we humanize our skills and the interpersonal skills, the more we'll be able to clarify and ask AI platforms in a very concise manner what we need. Because if we don't know how to write that creative brief, we don't know how to get anything out of it, right? That's what I've been learning in my own very slow broom sweeper way is, is that if you don't ask the right question, you're not gonna get the right result, right? And so it's learning to understand how it works, of course, so you can, it can inform how you ask the question, but it's really knowing it's, you don't have to know how it's working, but the capability enables you to communicate your request effectively. And I think that can translate into so many parts of leadership, relationships, parenting, you know, all the ways that CQ becomes paramount in helping us evolve into not only technology, but just as, as people and how things are going to function in the, in the future. 
Um, which leads me quite nicely, actually, thank you, to, to my final question before I kind of um, tell, let people know where they can find you. But what do you think is the most radical change that we need when it comes to well-being and the focus on mental health that we see in the world today? Communication. Say more, like in, in, in what way could that support that element? Um, there are such phenomenal uh, breakthroughs in, you know, mental health, well-being, including psychedelics. And um, this needs to be relayed in a way that is really relatable. And we need to ask more questions about it. And again, when you hear the term psychedelics, you think, okay, the 70s are Rolling Stones, you all this stuff. Actually, we need to become more educated ourselves on what I'm just saying. If you if you want to go and have a trip or, you're, you know, you're an addict or something like this, this is not what I'm talking about. I've seen incredible data around what's happening. And um, I would look at digital.health, uh, Dr. Daniel Kraft, who's a dear friend of mine. Um, we're looking at, you know, how do we boxify in our methodology a lot to do with, with digital health. Um, the conference next med was really interesting around these leaders and, and what is coming out of this. And I think more people um, who have come and started talking about their mental health in a way that has um, been able to be absorbed by scientists has also been a fabulous breakthrough. So people being really listened to. Um, and so that's what I mean by the communication. They, they need to be that listening, then the, the expression side of it, and then really the breakdown around that information in, in ways that all types of users can actually get their hands on. Um, that's, that's why I have great hope for. Beautiful, um, beautiful. Because what I'm hearing is communication being the gateway to innovation uh, in a way that can allow us to feel uh, healthier, to take responsibility for our mental health and our well-being, and to evolve even our, our teams, our cultures, our working practices to be able to come through tough times together stronger, rather than what we're seeing pockets of is, uh, like I said earlier, just that us versus them and that kind of infighting, simply because we're um, unable to either communicate effectively in a way that others understand, to, to use your, your kind of archetypes, um, or to listen effectively to then ask those follow-up questions so that we together can create the future that we're looking for. Yeah, and I think, you know, the the umbrella of mental health, um, and I'm so happy when that changed, you know, you probably know when it did, uh, Petra, but when it changed from mental illness to mental health, um, I, I think it's really important for us to remember that there are so many subsets of mental health. And so just the same as a physical health, just you know, I was an athlete at school. It does not mean I'm now a pro athlete. I'm not. So, and the reason I say that is if I suffer from depression or anxiety, it does not mean I am just given another title, borderline or bipolar or postpartum right. or any of these other real, real serious um, um, 
topics or subjects, if you will. So I think for us, it's also to really, if, if we want people to understand what we're going through, we need to say it. And if you are interested in what someone is going through, you need to ask more questions and make sure that person's fine with saying it. Because um, I worry that uh, when we're lumped under one umbrella, people are going to say, well, they're using it as an excuse or they're using this or that. And by the way, there will always be people who will use anything as an excuse. It will be. I'm not talking about those people, right? And if we look at these statistics, I'm sure it is far less, you know, percentage-wise um, uh, than we imagine. But it still is, you know, implore people if they really don't have mental health and they're just having a bad day or they don't want to be at that job or they don't want to be in that relationship, to be really be clear about that. Because the mental health movement and the progression that's happening there needs to be taken seriously. It needs to be um, uh, spoken about in a scientific as well as storytelling way. And we can't mess that up because some people are deciding to, uh, you know, uh, lump something else and that has nothing to do with it. It drives me bonkers when people do that. Um, so, and it's rude and it's just unfair. So I am a... Um, my mother suffers from mental health tremendously. And um, so I've, I've seen that. I've seen what it's done. I've seen postpartum. She had postpartum to begin with and misdiagnosed. And that really just led to a real life of, of difficulty for her. And because it didn't have to happen. But today, those things are not happening nearly as much. Mm. The stigma is much better um, less rather, the stigma is much less. And a cousin of mine, actually, there's something you might want to look at too, Jeff McDonald. Uh, he was with a cousin of mine. Mm. Oh, I know Jeff. Mm. Okay. Yeah, so Jeff is married to uh, uh, another mum cousin. Got it. Um, and, and I love how Jeff wanted to put in programs in place in corporations because he was very open about his mental health eight years ago, what happened. And that really has helped leaders in in many organizations start to talk about this. Um, it doesn't have to be exhaustive. It doesn't have to be um, a subject that people roll their eyes and go, oh, my gosh, are we now talking about that? It, it can be exciting. There are amazing breakthroughs. Let's talk about those breakthroughs. Let's talk about actually the progression that we're starting to see, especially out of California. Let's talk about it. Because that that provides a lightness to a very complicated subject or series of subjects. That, that's my opinion. I love it. Um, I agree. And it's almost, it, it sounds counterintuitive to add playfulness into this arena, but, you know, a bit of humor about like the human condition, right? And how kind of uh, in flux we all are and we're we're all connected by emotion and you you might be up today but but um and I might be down but tomorrow it might be flipped right so the more we can curiously connect with people and I love that you said story and science and actually there's ex such exciting breakthroughs right with with psychedelics and a whole host of possibilities right which is which is beautiful um we're we're at our time I know you've got other places to be where can people find you if they want to connect with with you and your work well, I just want to say, first of all, Petro, the one, the, the 
question before, your ability to ask great questions, you do not need to worry about that. You're fantastic. So, and your ability to listen. So I really appreciate that. I'm going to send you the assessments because if it'll be fun to see where you are on that. It will be really yeah, amazing. Yeah, please do. Um, so thank you for this. So you can find me, um, uh, where can you find me? Are you talking about the website? Boxplay.io. Um, and if you want to learn more about CQ, you can go. It's a very dry website, communicationquotient.com. It's just science, really. But you can learn more about that um, and or on my LinkedIn. LinkedIn, perfect. We'll, we'll add all that to the show notes. Claire, thank you so much for your time on short notice. I loved hearing a bit more about your story and what you're passionate about. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you got loads of ideas on how you can be the change and disrupt well-being in your world and your workplace. If you want to hear any more about our guests or the resources we mentioned, check out our show notes. And of course, find your workplace benefits at perks.com and all your strategy or training needs at petrabelzebor.com. I'm so excited for future conversations. Please do join us for the next episode of Disrupting Wellbeing with massively interesting conversations and guests who will give you practical ideas to be the change you want to see in the world. See you next time.